0: to The Journey podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen, amen. You guys can have a seat. If I have not had the blessing to to get to know you or meet you, many of you do know me. My name is Cole Rhodes. I'm the college pastor here, the, the Journey pastor, been here about, two years or so uh, with my wife Caitlin and little girl Eleanor, uh, so excited to jump into this semester with you. And so if you if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to James chapter four James chapter four. Um, I don't know about you, but there may be some things about Christmas that I'm ready to be over, but, but one of the, the things that I, I love about Christmas time, and I know it's not Christmas time, don't worry. Um, is, is the Christmas movies. Caitlin and I have a great tradition of while we are decorating, we'll, we'll put on a a fun movie. And, and one of my favorite movies to watch is Elf. Anyone like the movie Elf in here? I, absolutely. That's right. I think that you could watch Elf all year long if you wanted to. And I honestly wouldn't judge you. I may ask, can I come over? I'll bring the popcorn. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know from last semester that I like popcorn, um, Anyway, so there, there's a certain scene where um, Elf is under the understanding that the actual Santa is going to come to Gimble's, right? Y'all know this scene, um, and he screams like Santa, right? When he when he finds out that Santa is going to come, well, um, Santa does end up coming, and all the kids are running over there, and and, and Elf also runs over there to find out that it is indeed. Not Santa, someone that smells like cheese or something. I can't remember exactly what he said to him, but it's not the real Santa. Um, And he he begins questioning him. And and what you see, I'm, I'm analyzing the movie probably way too much, but what you may notice or see in in the frustration in Will Ferrell or Elf's eyes is I think what he's realized is that he was excited, but now he's seeing that he was living a lie. His excitement was based on a lie. He's looking right at a fake Santa. And then he, he begins to get really angry. And he says, you sit on a throne of lies. Y'all remember that? Like he's getting really upset. And then like, all oh, Hades breaks loose. They start fighting and going going crazy, and, and the scene kind of ends there. We're like, "You're not Santa. You're not Santa." He gets kicked out of gimbals basically forever, um, and that's how it ends. So don't live a lie, right? That's that's the that's the lesson there from Elf. But I tell you that story because it, it's kind of a hyperbole. It's kind of an exaggeration of a of a scenario where believing a lie or or kind of living a lie can create a lot of chaos. In, in, in our world today, we're, we're not strangers to this. Some people can be absolutely certain about things that they're absolutely wrong about. You know what I'm saying? And I, I've, been, I've been suspect to that as well. Actually, there have been lies going around this, this world. there have been lies that people believe things that are not true, uh, from the very beginning. Um, the, the author of lies, the, the great deceiver who, in Christian tradition and in all reality, we know he is real, he exists. We call him Satan. He is the father of lies. From the very beginning, that the first people that God created, named Adam and Eve. He came to them via a serpent. Satan came to them via a serpent in the garden, and he comes up to them and um, he just doesn't want to play nice. He has he has evil intentions on his heart. Now, what God had said before in the garden, if you don't remember, is that or if you've never read the story, is that God gave them this beautiful, amazing paradise. To, to, to be in to call the, the garden of Eden is what we call it and they got to dwell in it we don't know exactly what it looked like but it was perfect there was no sin there was no suffering or, or pain it was an amazing thing and um, they had harmony with God it said God was walking in the garden so they had this close fellowship with him they had everything you think as a Christian that you could ask for what but God did say one thing he said hey look I am um, he didn't talk like that. He didn't say, um. He said, you can eat of every every tree or whatever, but, but just the, the tree of life, you, you cannot eat of that tree. For on the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die in the end. And so along comes Satan. We don't know if it was a few days or years or however long this was, but he comes up to Eve, and he asked her this interesting question. He goes, did, did um, did God really say you can't eat of any tree in the garden? Now, what's wrong with that? From the very beginning, that's not what God even said, right? God said, don't eat of the tree of life. He did not say you can't eat of any tree. So from the very beginning, what Satan is doing is he's taking something that's kind of true, what God says, and he's twisting it and seeing if Eve will buy it. And then Eve responds in this narrative. And she says, no, no, we, we, can, we can eat of the tree of life. But she said, but we, uh, so we can't eat of the tree of life. We can eat of every other tree, but we can't even touch the tree of life either. You read through Genesis, it doesn't say it. I read through extra. There's nothing about touching it. So already something that God has said, Satan has kind of twisted. Eve has kind of started to misunderstand and what Satan will begin to do in this conversation, this dialogue, is get Eve to believe that God is holding out on her. He's like, no, 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 listen, you don't understand. If you eat of the tree of life, you will not surely die. I've got a paraphrase here. It's like, God's, not, God's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to experience the best life has to offer. He doesn't want you to become like him and have the access to the knowledge and life that he has. He's, he's maybe not a good God. That's at least, I believe, began to stir in Eve's heart and she said hey you know what let's do it and she took of the fruit Adam came along took of the fruit and from what is originally just believing a lie and living a lie sin entered into the world and we have this broken mess that we have today it started with the father of lies satan and so the reason I tell you that, I wanted to go back to the, the beginning to give us an origin story. If we're going to talk about lies, that's where it started. It's the first uh, recorded lie in human history. And you, you would think, you would hope that Christians are not alone in believing lies. But unfortunately, we all right, sorry, you would think that Christians, uh, maybe we're, we're exempt from believing lies, but we actually do all the time. We can, we can believe things that are not just unimportant, but really important, things actually about God himself, things about our faith, things about how dictate decisions that we make, who we may date or marry someday, what job we may take. And so the series that we're gonna be in right now is, Called Liar, Liar. We're going to be looking at about eight different common lies that Christians believe. And before we dive in to James, what I wanted to tell you is I wanted to tell you my, my heart before we jump into my heart is not look at all these lies that you probably believe, stop believing them, you're so dumb. no, no. no. As I was looking through this, there are some that even right now it's tempting. Maybe I don't believe these lies, but man, it's tempting to believe them. And so my heart in this imposture—how I kind of want you to think of it. I know we're in the venue, but I want to pretend. I want you to pretend each and every week we're kind of sitting at a coffee table or we're in the living room and we're just we're just kind of we're just kind of kicking it. We're probably watching Elf, you know. let's just say it, let's just call it. We're watching Elf, and you know we get into the conversation about something or other, and, and maybe it's. You say something, or we hear something, and it's like, you know what? I don't know if that's true. Let's open up God's Word and and see what God's Word says about. It. Does that make sense? It says, "One, you know, I'm not talking at you. I'm I'm with you. These are things that I feel passionate about and have experienced before. And honestly, lies some of them I have to combat every day. So let's jump into James chapter four, starting in verse thirteen. James is in the New Testament. If you don't know where that is, also if you've having trouble finding James at the At the beginning of probably every Bible you have and the one in front of you in in that chair. uh, You can take that if you do not have a Bible. You can look at this table of contents in the front and you can find James there and turn to that page. James chapter four, starting in verse 13. It says this, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow is. You know, I, love, I love James. He doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't beat around the bush. He tells you what he's thinking. In the context of what he's talking about, maybe some of your subheadings uh, may say this. Mine says, boasting about tomorrow. I think the very lie that I wanna address tonight from, from this passage is a lie that a lot of us struggle with and a lie that I know even in the past couple of months has kind of come in front of me. It's been tempted to believe it. And this sort of lie, really what it does is it puts everything under your control. It tries to, it tries to make you think that whether your life goes good or bad or whatever happens to you, like your entire future, like every single minuscule thing depends entirely upon you, that like you are God. And so what this lie does, I'm about to tell you what the lie is, I think a lot of us believe it because of how much of us are anxious about our future. You tracking with me? What this lie does is it puts all your future plans on you. It's what all the self help and and, and influencers are are saying in their daily vernacular on their daily posts. And what it's actually doing is it's creating a very anxious generation. And this lie is this we're going to put it up on the screen. You are in control of your own destiny. You are in control of your own destiny. Now you're probably thinking like, okay, Cole, like where are you going? I'm gonna tell you from the get go. I'm not saying don't do anything. Just lay there, let things happen and figure it out. I'm not saying that. You have to make decisions, but you have to make wise decisions, hopefully. But what I'm saying that is a lie that I believe we're gonna see from James chapter four tonight is that you are in control of your own destiny. You are indeed not. So let's look back at verse 13 in James chapter four. Verse 13 of James chapter four. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. For each lie, what we're gonna look at is the hard truth this passage presents and good news. Because I don't wanna present a hard truth without good news. So the hard truth that we want to look at in response to us being in control of our destiny, the first one is this. You and I do not know what tomorrow will bring, right? You ever think about that? That's what the passage says. Like, wait, hold on a minute. You're trying to control everything, but if you were honest, you have plans, but you're gonna tell me your plans that you have for tomorrow. Any of you big planners, have you just given up? Right. Like you ever try to plan about tomorrow even from eight to nine thirty a.m., something goes wrong. Right. Something not according to plan Now maybe you're a perfectionist. Let's go eight to five. OK, I've got everybody in now. For example, we can't even tell you, even if we're living all alone by ourselves, somehow something is going to go not according to plan. So how in the world if we can't even tell you about tomorrow, much less a year from now, much less 10 years from now, Why would we want to take control of our own destiny anyway? And here is a hard truth that I just said, but here is the good news. Here is the good news, friends. God does know what tomorrow will bring, right? Like God does know. So in a Christian worldview, i.e. the way that we see the world, this is really, really, really good. We have proven to ourselves that we don't know what the future holds, but God's saying that he actually does. And so just logically, what I want to plead with you, the good news is, is that means that there's at least somebody out there who has some sort of idea of what's going on. And maybe as we work through this, maybe you just might consider he may be the best person, maybe you're not convinced yet, to be in control of your destiny. Let's keep moving forward. In verse 14, let's read it again. It says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. The hard truth, looking at the lie that you're in control of your destiny. Another one we're gonna look at is this. Your time on this earth is short in light of eternity. It's very short. It calls it a vapor, a mist. Have you ever ever seen that? Ever seen like a mist? Ever go to like maybe a, a beautiful garden area and they're kind of pouring down a mist on top of the plants? Like it's, it's, it's amazing. But they have to keep pouring it out. Otherwise the mist kind of floats into the air and evaporates, right? Y'all tracking with me? That is the picture. <laughs> that is the picture the Bible is giving you and me of the significance of our lives essentially and how long we live here. Is that pretty sobering? <laughs> yeah, think about it. Elon Musk missed. <laughs> Seriously, Elon Musk, Steve Jobs was a mist. Cole Rhodes for sure a mist. You're like, yeah, I can see that, for sure. <laughs> That's a hard truth to swallow. But here's the good news. As short as our time is, as many of our older brothers and sisters ask someone who's 70, 80, 90, been following Jesus for 50, 60, 70 years, they're gonna tell you, man, Finn, good life, but wow, time is short. It flew by. You would not believe. It did not feel like 70, 80, 90 years. The good news that I hope that they'd tell you, and it's true from scripture, is this aligning yourself with God's will yields an eternal impact. So what I mean by that, even though our time is short on this earth, we can align ourselves. We can do certain things. We can choose to live a certain way. We can choose to make decisions certain ways. We can choose to date and marry certain people that is pleasing to God. We can choose a certain career path that even if it makes tons of money, we're doing it to the glory of God and yielding our best efforts to him. Y'all tracking with me? We can do things in a way and live a life in a way that though it's short, though the Bible calls it a mist, my goodness, we can make an eternal impact. How do we do that? Because namely, because we lived on this earth, more people knew Jesus, amen? Your life was short, but it, you spin it so that other people might see Christ in you. That's the idea. So it's a hard truth that our time is short, but it's a beautiful truth that God, even in our short, misty sort of lives, can use us to make an eternal impact. So we go to verse 15, back to verse 15. I wanna read this for you again. It says, again, the idea is like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna do this or that. We're kind of making plans um, with full confidence that they're gonna work out. That's what James is kind of, preaching against or speaking against. And he says, don't, don't talk about it that way. He says, this is how you should talk. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Now I want to clarify, I, I bet you, if you follow me in the next week, you're going to hear, hear me say, yeah, I'm going to go do this. And my sentence does not end with if the Lord wills, Right? Now, this is biblical, but have you ever met that person that is just like, hey man, like what's your plans, you know, for for Christmas or whatever? And you say, they say like, yeah, we're gonna go to vacation, um, Lord willing. You know how they end every sentence with Lord willing? So I'm not asking you to be that person. Duh, right? Duh. The Lord wills. Yes, we all know that. But what I am saying, what James is getting at, is pushing back against the lie that we are ultimately in control of our own destiny. And the hard truth that faces that or comes at that from James is this: is that God's will trumps your will. James is warning us to see that not factoring God's will in our decisions is reflective of a worldview or indicates as if the way we see the world is as if God doesn't exist, as if he's not there. It's not factoring in that God may have different plans. He may not actually want you to have that job that you've applied for and sent three follow-up emails to see if they got your application, right? He may just be trying to plan something else. And so what James is getting at is that the opposite is true. Factoring God's will in your decisions is wise it says that you actually know how the world really works (laughs) it's reflective of like man God is always working and moving and so my plans may not be the best plan and that's okay something I'm about to do may actually be sinful and damaging and God may actually reroute that entirely to protect me from something because he has something better I mean, Jesus says it well in the Lord's prayer, doesn't he? How does he say it? He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, it's kind of embarrassing. I'll throw myself under the bus again. I know that I struggle with this lie because using the scenario where you'd watch me 24 seven over the next week or so, um, you might on certain weeks or certain days think, If I were to put Cole's life into a prayer, (laughs) it may sound like let Cole's kingdom come, let Cole's will be done. And that's not good, is it? I'm admitting that to you. And I wonder if you're humble enough to admit that maybe if you were to look at Your life at times, it may be evident based on how you're thinking and how you're making decisions and what fills your mind's attention and your heart's affections and longings that you could insert your name in there. Let your kingdom come and your will be done instead of God's kingdom come and God's will be done. But here's the good news. Either way, god 's will trumps our will, but here 's the good news god 's will is good and perfect okay god 's will is good and perfect, so here 's what be the bad news either way god 's going to accomplish all that He wants to, and God is a bad, if God were a bad God, oh that would be really, really not good news, right that God actually doesn 't care about you that he 's not actually working things all together for for your good and and for the flourishing of, of all of us right if that wasn 't true but yet his will trumps everyone else's will. Uh Uh-oh, right? Are y'all feeling uh uh-oh? That would be really bad. But God's will is actually good and perfect. And that's why even with the son of God, Jesus, in the garden, who was sweating drops of blood and anguish and agony for what he was about to endure on the cross for our sins, because he knew the good and perfect will of his heavenly father, Seeing the agony of the cross before him, he said, but not my will, Father, but yours, your will. And so, friends, a challenge I want to give you tonight, you're like, this whole thing has been challenging, but for all of us is when we say that we have faith in God, what we're actually saying, sorry, I lost track my notes. To have faith in God, to actually believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What we're actually saying when we believe that is, God, look at this amazing plan that I could have never thought of in my entire life to save myself. Like like when you you believe in the gospel, you're saying, Lord, I submit like your plans are better. Think about it. God, from the beginning of the world, has has had a plan to save his people in an incredible act of mercy and grace through his son, Jesus Christ. That's been the plan that he's set in motion from the beginning. And guess what? He's also seen from the beginning and watched every single second of every single one of our days. He has watched how all of us as sinners have rebelled against his will, have sinned against him, has made a mess of our lives. He has watched that happen every single second of the way and regardless even though he knew every single sin we were going to commit he is so good he is so amazing he planned anyway to save us that is insane friends And I'm telling you, let that truth become insane and find your love and worship for God. Just ignite on fire. The, The fact is, is that when we say we believe in Jesus Christ, when we say, God, I believe in you, we're saying, God, I'm going to submit to a plan that is better than anything else that I could have ever thought of. Because when it was in my own hands, before I came to you, when I was my own God, obviously that wasn't working out very well. And so, Lord, I trust you. I trust you with my eternal destiny, not just what's happening on this earth. And therefore, as a Christian, to believe in God is to say, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not what I want, but what you want. And so as I say that, if I'm, if I'm sitting out there with you and I'm listening to this sermon, I, I feel the frustration even as I was preparing this, and I know some of you do. Here's a good question to ask. All right, cool. If I'm not in control of my destiny, but God is, how do I know what his plans are for me? Like, do I just like, oh, whoop do doo like, okay, God, do your thing. Like, what do I do, right? Like, do I just sit here and like meditate? Like, what, like what happens? Am I, am I still responsible for like my, my actions? And I would tell you, yes. How do you know what God's plans are for you? How do you know what your future should look like? How do you know what you're supposed to do? You know that the Lord's will is that you live by his word. That's how you know. Let me, let me flesh out a general pathway that all of you could take if you wanna live by God's word. And here's what it looks like. From this day forward, here's what your life could look like. Everything that this book says is good. Everything that this book says to do. Everything that this book has to say about how to live your life, do that and pursue that to the best of your ability and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And everything that this book says not to do. right? Everything that this book says is not wise. To the best of your power and ability, know, objectively speaking, that you should not do those things. You're like, I know that. That's simple. Okay, so let's, let's track with this. Graduation's coming up. We're, we're, we're job searching. Maybe you're in the middle of a major, like, I, I hate this. I'm paying way too much money for something like this. I'm gonna hate whatever job this is gonna lead to. Even as an adult. Man, this house is feeling small already. We've only been at two years. What, what do we do, right? What this looks like is that we take into account what are, our, what are our passions, what are our gifts, what are our desires, what are things that, that we're good at, what are things that we want? And we say, are those things against the word of God? Is God speaking against those things? And as long as they're not, if the people in our lives are not what we do, with God's word in front of us, is we take one step towards that open door. And we, and we may get to it, and right as we get to it, it may close, or it may open, and we continue to go, go through it. Sometimes what may happen is the door may close. And what that looks like is you should take a step back. And you say, okay, God, that obviously wasn't it. You re-examine your heart. Are my heart's motives pure? And you... You say, is there anything that the word of God would maybe address in my situation that should prevent me from doing this said thing, from pursuing this job, from pursuing this relationship? If it's an unbeliever, the answer is no, (laughs) right? If you're a Christian, bada bing, bada boom, there you go, I'll clear that up for you. And so what you continue to do your whole life in making decisions, and as you feel anxious about the future, as you let this be your guide, and here's something that the Lord has shown me, when I feel like there's not a door opening, you know what God is sometimes telling me? He's saying, Cole, because I need you first to open the door to your heart and actually let me be the Lord of your decisions. So many times in my life, God has told me that. And so many times, actually, let's be every time he's been right. So ultimately, I think where this angst in us comes from about our future, like, do y'all wanna do something incredible? Would you like to live a great life? Like, be honest, it's, it's good, we don't have a very ambitious crowd in here tonight. I'll give you another chance. Would y'all love to live a great life? Okay, there we go. I'm like, Lord, have mercy. This sermon is the most irrelevant thing I've ever ever said. Okay. <laughs> you want to live a great life? Follow Jesus. You, you want to set yourself up for success the way God defines it? All of was roughly 20 years old. I'm 30. I'm old. I know follow Jesus for the next 50 years of your life. That's greatness. That's a good life. That's a good life. And some of you are like, Cole, I I know that. I get that. Some of you are already there, but what if God's plan is for me? What if in following Jesus, I go through some sort of difficulty or suffering or it's hard and I'm gonna tell you, hey, you ain't gotta say what if. It's it's gonna happen. (laughs) Like, let's just throw out the hypotheticals. It will. What's said, Life is either hard not following Jesus or following Jesus, right? I, I, I choose following Jesus. The, the reason it is that way, friends, is that God, in his loving mercy, and how he plans and how he controls the world, why we go through difficulty in following Jesus. Like some of you are there, like I know that's God's will, but but what if he leads me to do something hard? It's because we live in a fallen sinful world and sometimes our sin causes suffering sometimes the sin of others causes suffering and pain and sometimes it's all of the above and it's just a wonderful life and experience that we have to go through I'm obviously being ironic and what God does though is that even with his mercy and grace in our life there there are difficulties that we go through and there are consequences of the actions we commit and of the things that we do as we follow Jesus. If we have a period or season where we stop doing that, in comes some difficulty. Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You're like, okay, well, I see logically that's true, but really, how can I trust him? And, and how do you trust him? The truth is in Romans 8:28. It's a God who works all things together for the good of those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. And I I say this verse a lot and it's because it's, it's transformative. If you can get this in your head, you can follow Jesus anywhere. And it's because that truth means that God doesn't waste a single ounce of your suffering. He doesn't waste any of it. Remember the overarching theme, you're in control of your own destiny. No, you're not. God is. And even in your own sin, God is working a plan to bring you back to him. Even in your own sin, he wants to redeem that. Even in your own difficulty and suffering and trials and all that you're going through, he is working it for your good and his glory. That means God will take something meant for evil, even something that someone does to you And he'll transform it for good. Isn't that insane? Like Satan's like, (laughs) got him. And like two days later, he's like, dang it. Back to the drawing board. Like God is always working and doing things for your goods. That means even if someday you have a job that you hate. Oh, that sounds terrible, right? Oh, that's the worst thing to think about. Oh, it doesn't make a lot of money. I've got to eat ramen noodles. I've got to live in an apartment. I won't be able to buy a house until I'm 30. Oh, that's just the worst. If it's an exam you fell, if it's a boyfriend or girlfriend that you thought you you did your research on, them, you thought they were they were, whatever, and they and they weren't. It turned out to be what you hoping was a was a dream was it was a nightmare. I'm so glad that I'm not in control of my own destiny because I don't know about you, but I continue to mess things up. <laughs> I do. My tombstone. He tried to mess it up, God fixed it. That's what it should say. God redeemed it. I love what Amy Simpson from Relevant Magazine says. She says this. She says, the Bible, like common sense, makes clear that the future is not our domain. We have no claim on it, right to it, knowledge of it, or assurance that it will ever arrive. The future belongs only to God, who rules and lives outside the limitations of time, And that same God is so good and beautiful. He has greater gifts in store for us that we can even imagine. Our unknowable future is bright. I'm glad that the future is not in our hands, in our domain, because God has something better. I'm gonna ask the band to come up. I can't accomplish in one sermon or one night something that totally gets you to stop struggling or doubting with wanting to be in control of everything. I I can't. And I I can't, I can't in one sermon convince you totally to just surrender your life entirely to all of God's plans. And and the reason that I know that I, I can't is because some of us are still struggling with God being in control of our destiny and not us. It it's hard not being in control. And, and if that's you, I would say me too, friend. Like you've got good company. It's really hard. What, I, what I'm talking about tonight, this lie, the reason why it's so easy to believe is because to cling to the truth is, is much harder. <laughs> You're facing a much harder reality because what it does is it removes control from you. And you have to be patient and you have to wait. <laughs> you have to pray. You have a trust to God that you can't always trace his hand, but you can know his heart. And so if that's you, one powerful promise for struggling Christians like you and me that if we created the world, we might have made it to make sure that we had control at all times, but we have just realized that's not the world we're in. And we wanna believe Jesus. So we wanna believe God. Man, you're always better. Here's a powerful promise I wanna share with you. And that is this. Jesus suffered the worst on earth so that you and I could experience the best in heaven. Jesus suffered the worst on earth so that you and I could experience the best in heaven. You're like, where does that come from? We can know that God is good. We can know that he cares. We can know that when we wanna be in control, we can know that when we suffer, he's like, hey, guess what? I actually experienced the worst thing that you're fearing and that is I took all of your sin and death and I was truly for a moment in time separated from God the Father. I was truly forsaken so that you could always be forgiven in Christ. Amen. That's the Savior, that's the God that we're talking about tonight. That's the powerful promise that I want you to cling to when you struggle. It's you look to Christ, you look to the cross and you say, you know what? A lot of this stuff doesn't make sense, but my goodness, what a statement as my Savior hung from that cross for my sins so that I wouldn't have to. I'm gonna trust him even if it doesn't make sense because wow, that's incredible. That's love. I believe that. What I want you to do for a moment is I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. What I want to do is I want to read a prayer for us tonight from a book called Prone to Wonder. And just because I'm reading this prayer, it doesn't make it insincere. This is a sincere prayer. And I want you just to, to follow along and pray this to God in your heart. And this prayer is called Building Our Own Houses like this. It says, Mighty God, you rule with power and wisdom over the entire universe, and yet you delight in us. We are dependent on you entirely for all things. Wean us from all our other dependencies. You are the fountain of goodness. What, why should we be so anxious about what will happen to us? In the light of your favor, the world and all its pleasures are infinitely poor, yet we continue to be drawn to them in so many sinful ways. Forgive us, for relying on our own wisdom and strength, for the hours we spend trying to rescue ourselves from pain and suffering and sin when you have already rescued us in your Son. Forgive us for frantically building our own lives day after day when you have called us to rest in you and for choosing to sin over and over again to advance our agendas instead of speaking the truth and trusting you to deliver us from the losses that we fear cannot survive Heavenly Father our minds and hearts are full of the sins of self-reliant pride God forgive us God, I pray this prayer over us tonight God I ask that you would help us to throw away that lie that we can be or that we are in control of our own destiny and fully totally submit to you your plans what you have for us You've shown that you're good. There's no doubt of that. So I pray as we sing in response tonight, God, that we would sing from a new posture, a new posture that says, wow, you are God. You're in control. And you have an amazing eternal destiny waiting for me and even now are working in my life. It's to you, God, that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen you are encouraged by today's podcast if you'd like to learn more about the journey check us out on instagram or facebook at the journey lbk thanks for listening